Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome to Cody and Gold, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. Cody Tapp with you. Drew Nixon on the other side of the glass. Alex Gold has decided to take off early for Christmas. I think sometimes just because he, um, he's like, you're supposed to. Alex, I don't think, has like big plans today, but he deserves time off like the rest of us. So no Alex Gold today. Instead, it will be one Jay Binkley in studio. Binkley, how are you? What's going on, Code Man? Merry Christmas to you guys. Same. You got big plans for tonight? You got big Christmas plans this week? Tonight uh, is involving Pete Sweeney. And the, my favorite Pete Sweeney, which is his father. He's in town. Oh, wait, there. you're getting dinner with the Sweeneys? It's always my nice. favorite Pete Sweeney is Mr. Pete Sweeney. Missed cool. him last year, had a series of unfortunate events, so wasn't able to see him. But uh, Big Pete in from New York, so I'll go see the Sweeneys tonight. A Sweeney Christmas. Wait, I have a question. Why am I not invited to Sweeney Christmas? I have no idea. You were last year. I saw the Sweeney's last year. They came over to my house. They played in the annual drinking and gambling game that the Taft family puts on every single year. Do you think it's because at like two in the morning after the Sweeney's had won all the money, we started chanting F the Sweeney's? Man, Do you think that that got me uninvited from this dinner tonight? <laughs> that might have that been was, it. I, hold on. That was playful and fun. It's to watch football. That's what we're doing. We're watching oh, okay. football. Nice. Hmm. Big Pete. Pete, Big Pete loves football. He's always, you know, texting in that they're in the post game show about the, the Chiefs or the G Men or you name it. We go round and round. So which, uh, what's what are the, what are the college bowl games on tonight? What, what or what do you got tonight? What's the Thursday night football game? One game tonight. I'll be watching Thursday night football. It's the, uh, it's with the, uh, the prime focus tonight will be Thursday night football. Okay, I didn't know there's bowl games. You know, pretty it much there's one bowl game tonight. Syracuse and USF tonight. Yeah, well, that's tonight. Sounds... One one game tonight. Pass. And then uh, starts amping up a little bit more on the weekend. But next week's really the bowl week. That's when uh, K State, Kansas, wait till that uh, that they start playing, and uh, and that'll be good. The FCS is uh, done until the seventh of January. So they're done until then. Division two's already been decided last weekend. So now we're kind of in a holding pattern until that for the uh, FCS is concerned. But uh, bowl week will be this weekend. There's a slew of bowl games on Saturday. But for the most part, they uh, they amp up next week. Okay. 
Well, I'll pay attention then when the locals are in. I'm not watching U UCF and Syracuse. Okay. And just hard pass. Look, I like college football to a degree. You got Cal McCord coming um, to Syracuse, man. All right, fine. I mean, I, I hope he's better there than he was at Ohio State. He, they didn't like him enough at Ohio State. They thought he wasn't a championship caliber player, and they moved on. Someone in the rumor for Nebraska, totally goes there. Someone in the rumor mill saying if Marvin Harrison Jr. comes back, he'll go to Syracuse because his dad played at Syracuse. Kyle Cord is at Syracuse now. I was like, yeah, that's probably not happening. Could you imagine? That would be insane. That would that'd be one of the crazier transfers I've ever seen. If all of a sudden he ends up at Syracuse, I don't think that would be the case, but I wouldn't be surprised. Speaking of Pete it. Sweeney. He'll join us today at 11 o'clock. Syracuse. And a he's, Syracuse he's guy. Oh, is he? Marvin Harrison Jr. He yeah. is. That's where he he's went Syracuse. to his master's. And by the way, Missouri plays Friday night against Ohio State. So, speaking of Cal McCord. No, he's not playing that game. You no, take he's a, of Cal McCord. You, you could take a guess. If you polled 100 people in sports media, there's at least probably 20 of them that went to Syracuse. They got a brethren thing going on. I honestly, I've pitched that for UMKC. There's multiple people who went to UMKC <laughs> working in the industry, especially in this city. I don't know why we don't have each other's back. We all pretend like we don't exist. We should help each other out. Fellow we've, Ruse. We've had several here. Several Syracuse. Me and Ryan. Well, we've had several Ruse. Several Ruse. Me and Ryan. Uh, did Chris Unos, where did he go? He went to UCM? Where did he go? Uno Cerro went to Mizzou. Oh, okay. I don't care if you finished or not. I'm just talking about whether or not <laughs> technically, technically Ryan finished a class short. Carrington's D2. I'm D2. A lot of the but interns are D2. Hold on, but I think Carrington's final. I think he, did he not go to UMKC for a while? Missouri Southern, I thought. Oh, Missouri Southern, okay. He's the lion. All right, well. And we have a lot of UCMs. Okay. And a few Ruse. And, and then one, and one Butler Bulldog. That's true. That's Drew's. That's one, Drew, that's, one, one awkward. That's Drew's place. alma mater. That's fine. You that's can right. be the different one out of this group. Oh, it's okay. Let's start today. Pete Sweeney will join us today at 11 at 1030. Royal General Manager J.J. Piccolo. We'll join the show to talk about their very busy offseason, maybe the most busy team in all of baseball. And I know it sounds kind of like, oh, God, do we really want to do this again? Do we want to talk about Kadarius Tony again? Well, Jeremy Fowler had a new article out over at ESPN.com. And at that article, he's talking a little bit with some of these insiders and Dan Graziano and all these people like, hey, what do they do with Kadarius Tony? What's the prediction? And really seemingly the industry standard out of Peter King, Dan Graziano, Jeremy Fowler, all seem to point to one thing. Just got to keep coaching him. Just got to keep doing this. And what it made me think of is the scary part about this is that Andy Reid has done this multiple times. He's just believed in a guy blindly. I compared it to like Ned Yost when it was Alcides Escobar and these other things. Is that the problem is, is that sometimes his blind faith, Binkley, does pay off. And sometimes it blows up in his face. I think most notably his, his loyalty blew up in his face with Bob Sutton. He kept Bob Sutton around for a season and a half, two seasons too long. And when his defenses had stopped doing the things he needed them to do, he let them cost them playoff games. Bob Sutton cost them playoff games because he was unwilling or unable to move on from his friend. And I thought at the end of his time in Philly, holding on to all of the coaching staff that had been with him that whole time, eventually cost him in the end. My fear is, is that this loyalty thing with Kadarius Tony, if he doesn't at least check it, like, if, and again, I don't care if you just be like, all right, finally, one last time. But you better set a marker that is, this is the last draw, and then we're done. Because then otherwise, he's just free to make mistakes forever. I mean, I understand the whole, you know, go back to him, which is key for him. If you make a mistake, he goes right back to you. You ever notice that? Like, it's Oh, yeah, the he's next really good plays. about that. Cream Hunt. Unless you're Michelle McCoy, which they is They didn't have a lot of choices that New England game where Cream Hunt went off. 
Uh, but he goes right back to Cream Hunt. Uh, Graziano and uh, Jeremy Fowler do say this, talking about they just need him to be more reliable in the details. They think positive reinforcement is the way to get him there. I could be wrong, and the Chiefs could change their plans, but I expect Tony to keep getting chances in spite of his issues. One of the key principles of Andy Reid, of course, is his coaching staff to not give up on talented players. So they consider him a talented player. I think he going back to return kicks is completely out of the question. And I look at Richie James, who was basically catching punts yeah. with, with a guy one foot in front of his face. And that, that's, that goes a long way, and I'd give him more time for sure. He did catch 57 balls last year in the NFL. But the positive reinforcement, how many chances do you need? Talked about that on post game as well. Like, does he need warm cookies and some milk before he goes to bed? Does he need to be tucked in? I mean, this is the NFL. And I know he's 24, but that that's what the average lifespan of running backs, what, 25, 26? So he's right there. Yeah. So you're, you've been in the NFL. Now you're a first-round pick. you got to do what your job is. Harrison Butker's job is kick field goals. Although, did you see? The inflated under balls. Under-inflated footballs. Under Once inflated. again in New England, this time a kicking football. But it hurt them, too. Might have cost Butker his kick. It hurt them, too, but they have no control yeah. of those footballs, evidently. That was just an NFL official deal. It's just a funny thing to come at. Well, you know why they don't have any control of those footballs? It's because what happened in New England yeah. years ago. Well, they missed the field goal, too, which is funny because uh, it cost them. But, yeah, Harrison Butker's job is to kick. George Kurloff's job is to get to the quarterback. Create pressure, sack the quarterback, get sure. to the quarterback. Trent McDuffie is to shut down other receivers. His job is to catch the football. He's doing and his he, job worse than about anybody else in the team. And he's not doing it. He's a former first-round pick. But how many chances can you give? There's a thin line between first getting a, getting a bye, which is incredibly important for this team, getting that bye. One or two wins here and there, and he's cost his team at least two wins, in my opinion. Like, what do you want that line to be? Like, how long are you going to do this? Because you can't. We're at the end of the season. All right, Detroit game. Then, you you know, you love them up. Say, all right, you know, we believe in you and stuff like that. It's one thing to believe in them. But it's another thing if it keeps happening. And then if your quarterback, has kept happening. Your quarterback did not look, you know, extremely excited about it uh, last week with Kadarius Toney. But eventually you just got to cut bait, man. You can't keep going back. Definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Kadarius Tony's had his chances. That's the thing. He has had his More than opportunities. Enough. It's not like they haven't given it to him. They have. I'm starting to wonder with him. And I understand, man. They're football coaches. They see him every day. They keep talking about the talent. Like he must Travis kill Kelsey, in practice. Patrick he must Mahomes. kill in practice. So he did must. Dexter McCluster. But eventually you didn't keep playing him. And Dexter McCluster is twice as productive as Kadarius Tony's ever been in his best years. And so if you don't want to bench him right now, because you don't have the talent. Okay. Okay, fine. You know what? I get it. You don't have the talent, and you keep riding or dying with this guy, and you're just going to do it. But you have to set, like, you have to look him in the eyes, Bink. Like, it's me and you. And it was like, hey, Kadarius, if you drop a single pass in this next game, your ass is on the bench for the rest of this one. We'll talk to you after. But you're not playing. You make a major mistake in this next, next game, you're going to be sitting for a bit. And maybe you don't have to say it. Maybe it's just an action. But if the second he makes a mistake, if he makes one in the next game, you got to make him ride the bench for a bit. Because the truth is, because this is the thing that consistently kills me about how much talent they say he has, is that they're like, oh, I mean, I mean, can you avoid getting that guy in the field? He had two catches for five yards. What, you think he was the difference? He had nothing to do with that game. He had nothing to do with your Patriots win. If anything, he made it closer. You know what? That's all he did. He made the game closer. 
He did not help you separate from New England at all. And there's not been but one game this entire year in which he's helped your point difference from you and your opponent be better once. So that's not a guy. That is a guy you can take off the field. It's not even like the MVS, like, well, he blocks argument. I don't even need to hear that end. And so, like, I just, they have got to draw a line. And it feels like I read, like, five different national articles yesterday about Kadarius Tony. And they all are getting the same story from them, which is, like, they're going to keep trusting him a little bit longer. And that's burned Andy a couple of times is what scares me. Mm. Like, the text line says he's still too loyal to Dave Tobe. I've been hearing that for years. Would you, like, uh... Would you rather him like give him that chance, and if he drops it, bench him, or just say, you know what, we're not like just not play him for one game. We're not going to let game. you make a mistake for one game because yeah. I think if you if he plays and he drops a pass, and then you just bench him and he don't and he doesn't play again, I don't know if that does more to your to to his mental state than not. Because I texted you guys this yesterday, uh, Cody, you you and Gold being glad to include you, but Kadarius Tony only dropped two point four percent of passes at Florida, which is the lowest career drops percentage out of any wide receiver. In the draft class, and let me remind you, some of the guys in his draft class, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Kyle Pitts, uh, Devontae Smith, he had better catching percentages than those guys. So is it the yips? Is it something in his head that he just can't focus enough? Like, what? I don't know what it is because he clearly is not just talented enough, but he's shown in college that he, he can catch the football. I know. And that's, that's what you're doing. And now he's catching thing. it from the best quarterback in the NFL. So what what is the... What's happening? I think it's easy to start be dependable. Hating. You got to be dependable. Yeah. And he didn't play a ton of games at Florida. Don't forget that one year he only had uh, seven games he played, only eight games one year. Twelve was the high water mark for him. He had eleven one year. Didn't play. He did miss some games. He must kill it in practice. This must be a guy because he's got the talent. You know he's got the talent. He makes moves out there with the ball in his hands. Like wow, where did this come from? And he does show toughness at times because he gets drilled but gets right back up. He shows that toughness. I'm not talking about the injuries because the injuries do rack up for him, but he must be doing something in practice. But the other thing is there's other alternatives. You've got a guy that had 57 catches last year for the Giants and Daniel Jones. Second in the catches, second yards for the Giants. It's a guy you trust on returns. So you return, you trust in him with the guy a foot in front of his face to make the cru- crucial catches for you. They are trusting that. But you can't keep always going back. Yeah, but they trust it on like a four-win football And, and as far team. as we, we've overhyped Richie James. Football comes down, as Dick Vermeil said, football comes down a lot of times to one or two plays. And you look back, that Miami game, the Chiefs and Dolphins, it came down to one play. It came down to Tyreek Hill's fumble. When you look at that game, it came down to that one play. And getting in the end zone with Cook, getting into the end zone on that play. Like, how long can you trust it? Now, the interception, the bobbled catch to interception did result in a touchdown for the Patriots eventually. But because they're so inept, they weren't able to come back in that game. Yeah. But had they not been inept, they would have made that game way too close for comfort as it was. Like the Lions game, like other games with drop passes, you just can't keep dealing. Because, again, this is the NFL. This isn't peewee football. This isn't Northland Suburban Football Cup where you okay, guy, you know, because you don't want to give up on somebody either. But, again, it's the NFL. It's the highest level of football. I know. But you they eventually got to show it. And it's just like what you say about Shane Bouchelle. When everybody was liking Shane Bouchelle and his development, they loved him in the preseason. It's like, that's not the Chiefs' job. The Chiefs' job is not to develop him. He'll never see the field. You never want him to see the field in Kansas City. Maybe he does eventually, but you never sure. want to see it. You're not, your job is not to develop him for another team. No. You're, that's why Andy Reid continues to get the Blaine Gabberts of the world. I understand that because that way you can throw him in the game and he trusts him. He might not be the greatest quarterback in the world, but he trusts them to get a job done. Chad Haney had to go 98 yards against the Jags last year in the playoffs. He did it. We're always looking for signs for the offense, 
for, you know, like, hey, what's uh, what's turning the corner here? Andy keeps saying we're getting better. We're so close. It's right there. That seems to be the messaging out of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. I saw something on Sunday that actually makes me think that at least part of what they're saying seems to be accurate. This last game against the Patriots was the best they had been on third down all season. Look, the Chiefs, a team that we used to regularly talk about, third and 10 was like third and one for them. Hell, remember all those times we'd be like, they're better on third and 10 than they are third and one. That's not the case this year. And third and long has been a massive issue for them this season, in which they've converted just 13% of those attempts, in which seven or more yards are needed. That according to Arrowhead Pride. They converted a third of them. That was old school chief stuff. And I don't know if it was just because the pressure and Patrick Mahomes was moving, because I definitely think Patrick Mahomes in space was part of it. But bigly, this wasn't the running game. He passed four third and longs multiple times, including that drive right before half, when they had a little over a couple of minutes to go, multiple third and longs, one third and eight because Jawan Taylor false started again and went right down the field. If I'm looking for things to actually believe the Chiefs that the offense is close to turning the corner, Third down feels like a fairly obvious one because they moved the ball well against them, but they also converted third and long for the first time, I feel like, all season. Yeah, and third down percent, I mean, it is sometimes misleading because of the third and shorts, what happens. But they're fifth in the NFL in third down percentage. They sit fifth in the NFL. They're third in the NFL in passing offense. They're seventh in total offense. You have to credit Mahomes for this. The fact that he's third in offense or passing offense this late in the season despite the drops. Yeah. Tony has he's got a drop rate of 13.5%. 13.5% on feels 35 like the, targets. Feels like that's the team has a drop rate of that percentage. I got to be honest. I mean, that is insane to that's keep a, going back to that person. Again, a really high percentage. This team has expectations. They've been the five straight AFC title games. They've been the three out of four Super Bowls. As I said this weekend, this isn't the Cardinals, man. This is the Chiefs. They have expectations for you to deliver on. And you can't keep going back to them. It's like it's like a supervisor, Cody. I'm sure you had some you know, different times before radio. And some people need the kick in the butt. Like, they need that. And, and some people need positive reinforcement. You know how it is. You go give the They're going positive person. reinforcement for Tony, for sure. Well, you go to the employee and you give them negative reinforcement, it may backfire on you. You give them positive reinforcement, it works. And then others need it. Which like, others are, need the which, kick in the pants. Some people need it. He doesn't, obviously. Which type are you? He Vic? needs to be loved up. Well, I'm tough love. I don't need to be. Just tell me what I'm doing wrong and yell at me or whatever. I, 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 straight. Well, I feel like there becomes a point too, Bink, where you, you you can give, I think they've given him enough of the pat on the back. It's going to be okay. Where the problem still keeps happening. There comes a point where you have to be the bad guy, whether he's going to react well to it or not. And just say, dude, you need to wake up because we, like we we've been, we've tried to help you through this process, but it's been, it's not one, it's not two, it's not three games. It is, there are multiple times throughout the season, week one, all the way to now, where you have hurt the team, and we're and we're we're trying to help you along with it. We're trying to to be supportive of you, but it's not it's not helping enough. Which is where I think the frustration from Patrick Mahomes showed on the sideline is like is like I'm trying to help this guy without getting into him, but it's it's not working. Yeah, and you don't want him to overthink it. You don't want it to right, be in the back right. of your mind where all of a sudden you're thinking, yeah. okay, here's, here comes the ball. Catch yeah. the ball from like you don't want it becoming consuming in his mind where it becomes a detriment. I'm more into the benching. You bench somebody, and that I think sends a bigger message. Like if you want to get on the field, if you want your livelihood to be the National Football League, you gotta start acting like it, man. Again, 
This team isn't the Cardinals. This team is looking for another Super Bowl. Big difference in situations for this team. You have to perform. You have to perform or you don't play. It's yeah. that simple. And he's had chances. And how many chances are you going to keep going back to? Because you have to have trust. Mahomes needs to be able to trust his receivers. That means if Tony's breaking open, you don't want any hesitation there. Like, yeah, let me throw it over here to Noah Gray. I'm a little worried we are let me steps throw it away from Gray. that. Yeah, from but you don't that want level. that. You don't want no. Mahomes to hesitate that one or two seconds. Like, yeah, I'm going to go to Noah Gray because then he's going to catch Because then mistakes happen or your sacks happen because he's he, he's he's thinking too much about a play and then he gets Don't overthink sacked. it. Yeah. But that's again. It hurts. I, oh, and also he did line up offsides against the Patriots. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Who Tony did again? When, once Tony did the interception. Turns out people line up offsides all the time, right, and I just haven't been paying attention. They do. They don't call it, but they've made an emphasis to call it down since the Chiefs game because they all call it down. It's, no, they it, were cowards, and they just decided to down. make way too big of a deal about but it. If but if you yes. remember when he came back in that game after the interception he got, when he came back in the game because Reed put him right back in, he was lined up offsides. Very similar to that Bills game. Very very similar, and nothing was called. And then Reed took him out of the game and then explained something to him. Because he was by far offside, just like that Bills game. It's like, you kidding me? And I know they're calling it more and stuff like this, but there should be no excuse for him not to always be checking, especially him, in that situation. But he was offside. And Reed, he wasn't called for it. But Reed noticed it because he said something to him as he pulled him out of the game. He said, but he was completely lined up offsides like he was against the Bills and damn near would have been called for it. And then you'd have something else to talk about. We underestimate how hard it is to adjust something you've been doing all season in like week 14. It was hard for Jawan Taylor and they started on week two. He still hasn't made the adjustment to the back pedal. Go watch any high school game and you'll see him check with you if they point. I know. And then they wait. They wait till the response and they get a thumbs up. They get a move up or move back. But they wait for the response. Now, do I believe he checked with the Bills game? I do. But he didn't care about the response. He looked over there, then turned his head. Yeah, he's just doing the... He didn't wait for the response. The service version of it. Yeah. Uh, you're not good enough, man. You're not, no, you're but not I Jerry th- Rice. But I, you you know, can't get away with that. I still think that they've got problems. But I think for a month, they've been showing signs that they are better offensively than they were for the two months before that. Moving the ball more up and down. Getting those third downs that we're talking about. Just utilizing Rasheed Rice is going to make you better offensively. Very good third down pacing. team. Yeah, they've been a better third down team, even more so, and better in third and long, which makes a massive difference for them on where they are. And that just, that helps. I mean, that just, that's where you'll start feeling more and more confident about this team going forward, that they could actually do do this thing. Real quick, before we get to J.J. Piccolo, who'll join us coming up in about 10 minutes here on Cody and Gold, Pro Bowl stuff's out. Pink, I think there's only one new event. Is there an event do you think they're missing? The one new event this year is the one that we all assume they should have had for years, tug of war. I guess I'd be worried about that if I were teams. Five on five, demonstration of teamwork, strength, and strategy. Positioned over a foam pit. Players are challenged to pull backwards on the rope, attempting to move the opposing team in I their direction. I actually like this one. I actually like that. It reminds me of the old days where they did the uh, skills contest. Remember the beach? Would it be the Royals versus the Cowboys in the late 70s? Remember ABC Wild World of Sports? And the Royals would, you know, compete in a tug of war against the Cowboys. It's before your time, but there used to be this ABC Wide World of Sports. They I've think, seen the clips of it. I've never actually watched champions. it, but I'm but, familiar with but it. But that yeah. was fun when you see the Royals over there. I think the Royals faced off against the Cowboys one time in the late '70s. But I like it. I think the tug of war is fun. I still wish they would implement the beer chug because that beer became, chug you that want became that? really popular when Rogers was doing it. And that was COVID. Mahomes Different doing, time, you know. But, but it's still popular. And Bakhtiari from the Packers. But all these quarterbacks were doing it. Matt Stafford destroyed a pint of beer. 
Actually, he's bigger than a pint when Stafford's like, hey, let me, let me do it. And I never forget that video he put out. Yeah. Let's do something fun. And then have him do the skills contest after chugging beer. Like, okay. I'd watch that. And the other thing is, too, the stuff's in the afternoon. So everybody already knows the results. They yeah. already know them. That's the biggest problem. You know, they know the results. It's sitting alive. Although, in fairness, situation. do you know the results? Is anyone out here Googling what happened in NFL tug of well, war? There's fans there, and they're putting it out. I'm sure they. I'm oh sure they God. try to embargo. I, I, I wouldn't look it up, but I'm sure there's a way you could find it. I guess. <laughs> it's like I sure as hell am not just stumbling across. I will say it. this normally. That's I, for sure. I, I think they should get rid of the Pro Bowl. Still, I, I do think that. But I actually watched and didn't mind the whole flag football deal. I didn't watch the the skill games, but the, I thought it was the, dumb. The, the, the game itself was fine. But it, it's fine. I thought it was dumb. I listen. Just give it name. Pro all pros the one that matters. Whether you're I all agree. pro or not, just making the Pro Bowl. The, the Madden thing's fine. If you just want to do the Madden tournament, that's fine. Do that. I like the drone drop. I, I'm stupid because I like the drone drop. There's they, one remember, simple receivers so- are trying to get you from the drone. I actually like that. They got rid of it. There's one simple solution, and it's pretty much just make it like non- 90s rock jam. Uh, you know, just make it they're playing celebrity basketball and softball against you. That, like, that's the solution. Screw the football stuff. It's not interesting as a skills contest game. And instead... Just make it like 90s MTV celebrity stuff and just turn it into that instead, and that's the solution. Wait till somebody gets hurt and flag football like Robert Edwards did. Mm-hmm. Remember out in uh, the beach? Yeah. He's never the same running back. Had a great first year, went out there, tore his knee up in the Oh, but stand. that could happen in a Pro Bowl game, no, I, I, which someone, is the whole problem with any All-Star game. It could happen in an MLB All-Star Someone's going to get hurt in flag football. When we come back, J.J. Piccolo, the Royals general manager, on the big offseason moves they made this year. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Back in here on Cody and Gold, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Cody Tapp, Jay Binkley with you. Two former Royals insiders with a great chance to talk to the general manager of the Kansas City Royals. That is J.J. Piccolo. He joins the show. Actually, Binkley, I'm going to need you to add him because this phone never works. Can you punch oh, yeah, J.J. Yeah, on yeah. through for me? JJ, He'll join the show now. J.J. on through. Merry Christmas. J.J., happy early holidays and all that stuff. Uh, did you have to look up what something was that your kids asked for? I feel like this is the time of year where you're like, what's a dunk low? And you got to make sure that you're all caught up. No, you know what? My kids are at an age now where they're pretty simple. So they they just tell us what they want. They're, they're in their uh, soon-to-be 20s to 24. And uh, things have gotten a little bit more... Uh, Quiet and simple at Christmas time. 
JJ, that is 100% gift cards, isn't it? I'm not talking gift cards. <laughs> I'm talking the Visa, the American Express ones, where they can use them everywhere instead of, like, you know, a restaurant or whatever. Tell me I'm right. It's all about gift cards. It's gift cards. It's a specific pair of shoes. It's it's very simple. So uh, my wife does a great job with it, and the, the boys and my daughter aren't afraid to, to ask for what they'd like to get this Christmas. Do you go artificial tree or uh, real tree? We actually got both. We got we got a real tree in one room and an artificial nice. in another. So we we go both. We we went back to real trees about uh, six or seven years ago. As the kids grew out of allergies, uh, we we started bringing the the live tree back in, which I grew up with uh, every year of my childhood. Same. I still get the live tree. I know one day maybe I'll have to make the switch, but for now I'm still hanging tough. JJ, it's been a really busy off season for the Royals. I think you could make an argument. You guys have been busier than any team in baseball. I know you've talked about the division and these other things, but what kind of uh, tipped the scales for you or John Sherman or others to be like, okay, you know what? Now is a good time to go for the division. Yeah, well, I mean, this year, 23, was just not fun. I mean, it was a a tough year. Um, We were frustrated with a lot of things. We were learning along the way because we're excited about our coaching staff. We're excited about a lot of our young players. Uh, but it was clear to us at the end of the year that if we're going to capitalize uh, on, on a group of, of young players, a core of players, uh, if we're going to capitalize on, on their time here and our ability to push forward, we needed to be really aggressive this offseason. And you know, I think we outlined pretty clearly uh, where, where we thought we needed uh, to, to get deeper and where we need to get better. Uh, a lot of it was on the pitching side and then also just to uh, acquire a bat to put in the middle of the lineup. And fortunately, we were able to get a, a nice player in Garrett Hampson as well. So, um, you know, it was a very focused um, approach to what we were doing. Uh, we were very aggressive from the get-go with free agents, very aggressive in trade ideas amongst our, our pro scouting department. And um, I'm proud of the way they went about their business and the way we handled things and the way we were were able to work through things and ultimately arrive at a roster that looks a lot stronger right now than it did uh, at the end of September. JJ, how far back did you go thinking, all right, these guys are going to be free agents. These are the guys we're going to target. These are the guys we're going to want. And a lot of them from the same teams, you know, the Padres, obviously the Rangers, you get a couple players from there and they get that experience of winning plus the little Royals feel with the Rangers. But I'll even go back to the Kyle Wright move made back in November. I cannot wait till he plays. He's got to miss this whole year. But I think that's a home run for the Royals as well. Was this like in your mind to target these guys last season? Yeah, if, they, if there's an advantage of not being in a playoff race, uh, it's that you can start thinking about 24 and 25 uh, a little bit sooner than the teams that are in the race. So we took advantage of that. There was a lot of discussions you know, on a nightly basis, uh, watching our games with our front office about what we need to do. So you, you get a little bit of a head start. Um, we also took advantage of planning some organizational meetings the week after the season, usually – Organizational meetings take place in January. We did them in October, which is more infrastructure than it is the the 26-man roster. But that led right into uh, what are what are our objectives uh, by collaborating with all the different departments uh, from a from a major league perspective. How do we improve this team? So I feel like we got off to a really good start in October uh, with where we were, where our discussions were, and it became really clear who are the players that we need to target? And um, it came together pretty nicely. 
we know that JJ most NFL or most uh, MLB GMs will tell you you need eight nine starters over the course of a season. Now it feels like that five through nine range ends up being a lot of those guys from that 2018 class. Bubich later in the year or Lynch. How are those guys handle the maybe switching role? That's either hey you start in the bullpen and you start when we need you to, or you're back to AAA because the competition's greater. Yeah. And you can earn that role. How do those young guys, especially that core, kind of handle that transition? Well, I think we'll see over time that they're going to benefit by being around guys that have have had the experience that a, a Lugo or a Waka uh, have, have experience. So they're going to benefit in the long run. Uh, what I will say is they've been excited about the moves we've, we've made. I've heard from a lot of them. I know our pitching coaches have spoken to a lot of them. They know the competition uh, is there for them. They're not afraid of it. They're not intimidated by it. And I think they're getting to points of their career where it's becoming real. You know, there was a, a two-year period here where we were going to give innings to guys who had pitched well in the minor leagues. They, they, they earned their way to the major leagues, but we were giving the ball to them. But you reach, you reach a point in your timeline as an organization where you need to make a major step forward. And I, I don't know what 24 will bring. A lot of things got to happen uh, for us to come out on top. But I know that the roster's deeper. You know, you, you mentioned having a, you know starters beyond five. We we feel like we we've, we've got eight or nine starters right now that we wouldn't have a problem start on any given night, and that's a, a great feeling uh, with the security of having guys that have done it for many years. So they've handled it great. I think they're going to learn a lot from from the guys I mentioned, and it's going to be a really healthy environment for us, and and really kind of the clubhouse culture that that we envision and want to create. I'm not saying that uh, having guys like Zach Grinke around didn't also help the young pitchers, but what's the difference between guys who are coming off maybe the best years of their career or those types of things? Like when you talk about Lugo or Waku might be coming off one of the better years he's ever had. What's the difference for like those guys, guys in those early thirties to deal with them versus even just like what you might've gotten out of Zach last year from a, a teaching perspective. Well, Zach, Zach was great for us. Uh, he, he really was. And Jordan Lyles is great for us, you know, because they, they have those types of years in the game. I think you're just getting different perspective now. Guys that came up and, you know, like Michael Walker came up in the Cardinal organization and experienced playoff baseball his rookie year and pitched really well. Um, so there, there's a different experience that he had. Seth Lugo had to fight his way through to become a starter. Uh, he was always very highly regarded because he's got such a good curveball he sort of burst on the scene in 2017 in the WBC pitching for Puerto Rico. He pitched extremely well. And I think that's when the baseball world started to take note that this guy's got a chance to be special, but he had to, he had his, he had to wait his way, you know, wait his, wait his turn, I should say, uh, to become a starter. And he was in and out of the rotation. And then last year goes to San Diego and proves to everybody in the industry that that's where he should be. And he is a starter, but you, you listen to him talk about, how patient he was. And, you know, one point I think he said, that just wasn't good enough to be a starter. So, you know, I think those types of experiences will rub off from the guys that are going through, you know, similar points in their career that Michael went through way back in 13, I think it was, and that Seth went through during his years in New York. So it, there's going to be a residual effect that we'll see the benefit of, you know, come 25, 26, 27 as our pitchers start to get into the age 28, 29, 30, uh, there's going to be a residual effect. And, and, and I don't want to overlook, 
you know, Will Smith and Chris Stratton, Nick Anderson down in the bullpen every night. I mean, that, that's a little fraternity down there. And when, when you talk to Will Smith and Chris Stratton and Nick Anderson and you hear them talk about what it takes to pitch in the major leagues and how much they want to win, and then you look at the ups and downs they've had in their career, there's perspective that our other pitchers in the bullpen are going to benefit from listening for 162 games, listening to those guys talk. So we're, we're pretty excited. You know, I'll call them about the, I'll call it the unmeasurables. We, you really can't measure what that does for the team. Uh, but we're excited because we know through our past, our experiences, having other players, we know that there's a positive effect that veterans have on younger players. Yeah, these guys, Will Smith, back-to-back-to-back world championships. <laughs> I mean, these guys, you know, are winners and fighters that you brought in here, and it's impressive to see because maybe there was a time where the Royals needed some, you know, better leadership, but it seems like this team's ready to go. You know, they don't, they don't need any more. Bobby Witt and Vinny, these guys don't need that anymore. They become leaders, and how big do you think that is, J.J.? The te- teams can look back and say, all right, this team won. In 14 and 15, they went to the World Series. In 14, game seven, 15, they win it. You can win in Kansas City. How big a part was that in getting these free agents? It didn't matter where you're at, but you can win in Kansas City. Yeah, it, it, it's big because, uh, while well, Michael Walker in particular, you know, talked about being here in 14 and 15 and feeling the crowd. You know, Will Smith had been traded, but Will Smith's friends with all those guys. And Will – Will's gone on to do great things in his career, but he knows what Kansas City's about. Uh, you talk to Hunter Renfro, and he talks about, you know, he, I knew Kansas City was a place I wanted to go. And then he mentions, you know, I talked to Hosmer, I talked to Mustakis, I talked to Kane and Shields. He's played with all those guys. So, you know, there was influences. And, again, when guys are playing six, eight, six to eight to ten years in the big leagues, they come across people in the game. And, and the players will tell you, where where's – where to, where should I go or where, where's a good place to play? And, and all of these guys had a desire to come to Kansas City. I think once we, we got Will signed, that, that quickly evolved into getting Stratton signed. We already had Anderson on board, so our bullpen looks different. Now we started to focus on the starting pitchers, and, you know, we, we get Lugo done, and now Michael Walker, you know, really loves what he's seeing. And, um, you know, they all talk about winning. They're at a point in their careers where they're not worried about whether or not they're a major league player. They want to win ball games. They want to win a division. And they all shared that with me. I, think, I know some of them said, them said that in their Zoom calls or press conferences. So the mindset's right, and that's where you can transcend the roster and uh, create a culture of winning when you add the right people. You can call me um, greedy if you want, JJ. I understand. You guys have been very busy this offseason, but – from an extension from a young player standpoint, is that still something you guys will explore this off season? Yeah, no, we will. It's, um, you know, it's a little bit of a slow process and we, we have to respect it. Um, you know, I think it's no secret, you know, we, we love Bobby Witt Jr. And there's others that, that we like a lot on our team, uh, but those things take some time. Uh, but I, you know, I'm hopeful that with what we've done, uh, the support of ownership, uh, what we've done, it's a clear indication that we, we plan to build something that's sustainable and this is a great place to play your entire career. So hopefully that will help those types of discussions moving forward. How quick, how, how important is this is something I think Vern and I talk about together, JJ, but I'm curious from a manager standpoint, what it looks like when you guys bring in these players and, and you know, you bring in walk and all this stuff. We talk about the fact that they want to win. How important is it from the young guys perspective that they don't get used to losing? We thought that that was maybe part of a problem 
with the young core the last time turnover through the World Series where you get used to losing. Maybe that for Witt yeah. or for Dozier or that. How much do you guys pay attention to that as an organization? That's a real thing. Um, they, you know, we're all humans. We're all emotional. Uh, that's a real thing. And when players start going in into games night after night, not believing that we can win, that, that becomes a really difficult hurdle to get over. Um, you know, I don't feel like we were there uh, just based on how we played in August and September. We didn't lose the teams. As a matter of fact, a couple of the free agents we spoke to talked about how they pitched against us late in the year, and it didn't look like a 106-loss team, which was encouraging because you want to be objective in, in how you're, you view your own club. But when other people are telling you that, and it's on par with what you think, I think that that's a good feeling for us. But I don't feel like we were in jeopardy of that, um, but we did need to make a move to try to win more ball games and compete at much higher level in 24 because that may have been a result uh, when you get to July and August of next year, it just beats players up mentally, physically, and it becomes a, 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 a tough situation to come to work every day, not believing you can win. But I, hopefully we've avoided that, and now we can right the ship and get moving in the right direction. Well, JJ, it's got to be a different mentality. You know, you talk about your phone blowing up, I'm sure, because, you know, the Royals are the talk of Major League Baseball, MLB Network, everybody's talking about these moves the Royals are making. But those guys, you know, Bobby Witt, whoever, you know, Benny, wherever they're at, they see it on their phones. They see it on MLB Network. They see the Royals, you know, going out and making moves. That just has to help your roster from top to bottom, uh, seeing, you know, what the organization is doing to win games. I mean, it has to be huge. And I'm sure they're getting texts from other players. You're like, hey, what are the Royals? This is awesome. I'm sure you're getting a ton of it. But I'm sure that goes a long way for the organization, for people just talking about the Royals in a positive sense. It does. It definitely does. I mean, I love that the city's excited right now, and we know the reality is we got to go out and play well in 24. But right now, you know, we we sort of shared our goals and objectives, and we were able to meet them. You know, and, and the nice thing right now is we we still have 50 some days until the first day of pitchers and catchers. So we've got time. You know, we've got time to do other things. And uh, you know, and one of the things I realized really quickly once we got uh, Waka agreed to. You know, like now the the field is more clear. Right? What what else can we do? We're not worried about getting another starting pitcher or a bat. Now we can think through other opportunities or, or approach teams with other oppor- opportunities or ideas that maybe improve us in 24 or maybe even down the road uh, could really improve us. Because, again, the goal isn't just to win in 24. It's to sustain success over a long period of time. And, you know, now I think we have the opportunity because we have uh, a roster that's put together that if it stayed the same going into spring training, we feel good about. But we have a window here to think about other ideas and be creative to continue to improve. So we're, we're not just going to stop here. JJ, really appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the last few weeks of offseason before you live in Arizona. And thanks so much for joining us. No problem, guys. Happy holidays to you. Same to you. J.J. Piccolo, Royals Thanks. general manager, joins us. He joins us throughout the season as well, as you well know, Bink. Um, is it a good mood? Look, if I, they're taking a chance. The, the losing thing is something I asked him about because I think that that's very real. I think that I covered, I covered the Royals and you covered the Royals at a time where, like the year before, Bink, they were probably getting used to it with you. And then by the time I had gotten in that clubhouse, most of those guys walked in there just being like, well, I guess we'll take the old L today. I'll cash my check. 
and we'll move on. And when you get to that point, it's kind of hopeless. I do like hearing the way they talk about Bobby Wood Jr. And it's pretty clear when I'm saying, hey, are you know, young, young players in extensions, you know. Um, well, do you think that, like, I think that they're still going to try to get something done with Bobby Wood Jr. But in his answer there, Bink, about those players, you heard we said, he said, I hope that they see the improvements we've made to the team and how serious we are at winning. That is a direct statement to Bobby Wood Jr.'s people. Not any of the other guys. That's not a direct statement to Vinny or Garcia or these other guys who might get extensions from the Royals either this offseason or at some point. That's talking to Bobby. We are serious about winning. Playing your entire career here is cool. Please consider being a Royal for a really long time. We are serious about being a better baseball team. That's the way I heard that. I remember when Mike Matheny came on. I was in for Bob and Josh when they it was Matheny's turn to come in. I remember talking to him about that leadership. And how he kind of wished the younger guys had more of it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they, they were relying on the older guys, waiting all these guys to be the leaders. Like, when are they going to take over that? Well, I think that time is now. Maybe you're bringing in Walk and Lugo and all these guys with a lot of experience. And, and how about Will Smith? I mean, he's got three straight world championships. I mean, that's somebody with a little bit of experience. But I don't need it anymore. Like, they don't need that anymore. There's enough guys yes. with that on the team where it doesn't matter. And they got anymore. a lot of young talent. And Bobby Wood Jr. is more talented than all of them, to be honest with you. But start believing in it and getting the text messages, you know, from other players in the league. Like, what are you guys doing? This is awesome. You know, and these guys see it. They see the additions they're making and think, all right, this is this is go time. This isn't the Royals going in, bringing somebody else, and we're still going to lose, you know, 106 games. Different mentality. Yeah. It's a mentality to win now. And it's hard. If the training wheels are off, it's time to win. And last and year. And I feel like they've gotten to that point. Yeah, I really like that they took the evaluation year, and then they, you know, they moved on from the ones that evaluated poorly or they changed plans, or they shifted gears. If all of those pitchers had shown up and done the job that they thought they were going to do, they probably wouldn't have stuck with this let's spend a bunch of free agency money on two starting pitchers this offseason. They had to. Of course they had to. They didn't have a choice in that scenario, which is why it's important. I said this. I think uh, we had sent out a video clip. We uh, we stream the show every single day. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. Matter of fact, uh, one of our listeners over on, he said he didn't need a call out or a shout out, but one of the guys who follows over on Twitch, um, he said he's going to pay for a few people's subs. Like, you, you get subscriptions, right? Get a little extra stuff oh, over nice. there on Twitch. He said he's going to do it throughout the show today. So if you want to see the video of the stream, it's over there. Legends of Sack says that I don't shout people out enough, which is fair enough on there. But when you, like, when you really think about what level um, they're at next and when you ask those questions of the organization, I, I think it's important to actually think that they can win. And when he says things like Hunter Renfro remembers what it's like to be here and he talked to Haas and Michael Walker remembers what it's like, you are not that far away from no young player in baseball remembering Kansas City Royals baseball was fun ever. You're well, not that far away. The good it's news been a decade. Stratton you better be Stratton careful. Smith. Better start winning now so people will remember. Well, Stratton Smith just come right from the Rangers. Yeah. They, they understand that world championship. They understand how it feels. They understand how it gets there. Especially Will Smith, as I said, has yeah. done it back-to-back-to-back times. With what, the Braves, the Astros, and uh, the Rangers? Like, Will Smith, yeah. wherever he goes, they win. Yeah. It's like, weird. literally everywhere he so goes. So, either the Royals are winning the World Series this year, they're trading him at the deadline to somebody who is. Either way, that's the team you should be And he's not the on. guy that slaps people. That's a different Will Smith. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, and just listening to the way that J.J. is talking about it, I think he, you can even tell that he sounds a little bit excited. about in, in, in a way, too. In one of his answers, you know, he talked about what what's driver, what was the tipping point of them doing these moves. I was like last year sucked, you know, like him being very disappointed in how 
things happened last year and wanting to transition it, not just a, hey, can we do this, but going out and doing it and trying to add the right pieces. And then, um, like you were, like you guys were saying, the importance of of Michael Walker saying, like, I remember what it was like, like being here and the environment is is great. It's good for baseball. It's good for the city. But again, Having, win now so people remember right, that. Right, exactly. Having those people, I think, can encourage the the younger guys in the clubhouse, like, yeah. be more, even more motivated, not not just for a big contract or not not just for well, yourself to continue said, being use in your a voice. player. Like, yeah. Use your voice. Be upset with things. Like, be yeah. upset. Take take things hard, like George Brett. I don't know if you watch that uh, George Brett yeah. documentary. Just love the win. And if guys yeah. didn't compete or, you know, you're upset about it after the game and you didn't want to upset George. I mean, get to the point where everybody's upset about losing and you don't want to see that. But the fact that they're, they come from winning organizations or they, they, they fought, they struggled to get to the major leagues, that goes a long way, but they don't need it anymore. Like Bobby and these guys don't need it anymore. Like yeah, their voice will be heard. It's time to win now for the Royals. I think they understand that. And this town was amazing through those years of the Royals. I mean, it was every night. Every night people watched the Royals. They cared about it. They, they cared what the Royals were doing, winning and losing. They were they were buying into it like it was a soap opera. Seeing Salvador Perez, you know, have fun with the pitching staff. And, mm-hmm. and what's what's Perez up to now? The, the cooler, dumping Gatorade after games. Like, who's Salvi going to get down? It became a, a soap opera in the city to follow the Royals every night. You can win here. They've proven they can win here. And, yes, baseball economics suck. And, yes, they are the only small market team to go out and win a title since the whole television expansion or the television blow yep. up. But they did it, which means they can do it again. There's a whole other problem with television. We could talk about that a whole other time. Legend of Sacks, by the way, right after I said that, someone gifted five tiers. The Royals on, are all going there. On Amazon, our Twitch page, which is great. Team is on Prime, right? And then where they're eventually going to be. Very well might, Pink. Very well might. So thanks to Legend of Sacks on Twitch. If you guys want to catch the video stream, it's over there as well. But when we come back... We got to talk to our guy, Pete Sweeney. First, I got to find out why I'm not invited to Pete Sweeney dinner, but then we'll also talk about the Chiefs and what they got coming up against the Raiders. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.